So our scripture reading for today is from Exodus chapter 3. Uh, the words will be on the screen. You may follow along in the Bible or app that you brought with you. So Exodus 3, and I'll read the first 14 verses. <clears throat> now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over there and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is the word of the Lord. So we are, again, starting our new series. Um, and the series is Go and Be, and the message today is the first theme, um, sending. Where are you at now? Okay, you're at the picture. So this is part of our, um, an another neighboring series. And this week we had an opportunity to do a very unique kind of neighboring. So the book that we're using is Don't Invite Them to Church. And we've added the tagline, and if they do, tow them away. No, this was part of a longer relationship and conversation with our neighbors that we are indeed um, allowing you to park here. That's not a problem, but there will be occasion when you can't park here, and we couldn't get a hold of this person. And so we're really praying for God's miraculous ability to use us towing somebody's vehicle away to build a relationship with them such that they join us in community. You can pray with us on that one. So far, so good, by the way. We are not, uh, we're not in a fight or anything like that. So the sending theme 
um, given to us by Karen Wilk, who uh, put this book together that we are using. Um, it's going to use Exodus 3 and the story of Moses that I just read sort of as, as our guide to thinking about how we are sent. And I thought that I should probably give you a warning about this because um, how long have I been in ministry? So in about 1994, I guess, in about my first year of ministry, I preached on Exodus 3. And a person some of you may well know, Reverend Dr. Darren Rorda, Darren to me, was part of our congregation, and he heard in a message on Exodus 3 a call from God to him to be sent into ministry, and you may well know that he served a couple of churches and was most recently our Canadian ministries director. Um, the warning here is that God can use really bad sermons. I was just in a ministry, and I already know I was a pretty lousy preacher to start, so God uses even really lousy sermons to call you into ministry, so be warned. That's the idea of this passage. So, how does God call us and send us? The first point is he does it when we least expect it. Possibly that's because not many people are sitting around going, boy, I hope God calls me to some large challenging task in my life. So Moses, it says here, was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, Horeb was named the mountain of God actually after the Ten Commandments, so it wasn't even known as the mountain of God now. So it wasn't that Moses thought, boy, I should lead my flock over there. That's probably a holy place. He was just going about his business, doing his job. God often takes the strangest opportunities in our minds or the most mundane and usual things along the way to grab our attention um, and call us into his presence. And so... Um, as we go through this whole story, recognize that if you've grown up in the church, when you hear the name Moses, you think that great leader. But at this stage of the journey, Moses is a shepherd. He's a guy with a job, and he's doing that in a land far away from the rest of the Israelites, and that's when God called him. And so God has this ability and this tendency, I think, to call when we least expect that call to come. But when we least expect it, God actually shows up. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. God saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, I don't know too many people who've had a burning bush experience, but I know lots of people who have a story where God showed up in a way that grabbed their attention. And sometimes when they tell the story, they say, well, I don't know if this is believable or not. The point isn't what they saw or how they, how they interpreted that. It's that God grabbed their attention, often through nature, often through other people, but God found a way to enter into their life and grab their attention. Um, my story, some of you may know this. I don't know that I've said this too often in a sermon because the way God called me is at least somewhat embarrassing. Maybe it's very embarrassing. Um, I was the valedictorian of my high school class. That wasn't the embarrassing part. Um, but in preparation for that evening's speech, uh, a friend of mine and I spent it uh, drinking beer around our pool. And so um, I was thoroughly inebriated when I was giving my valedictorian speech. And in the lineup outside afterwards, one of my friend's parents walked up to me and said, 
you did really well, you should consider the ministry. Yeah, that's... So, I guess I was wondering why I didn't burn up, never mind the burning bush. Um, and that stuck with me, and as I was trained, when something very strong and emotional like that happens, you push it down and try not to deal with it. So I just tried to forget about that and moved on with my life. And while I was tending sheep, you know, actually I was at Redeemer University, and I was um, taking math, and was going to be a teacher, God showed me through the gift of calculus, which makes absolutely no sense to me, no offense to people who do get it, um, or God bless you, that's amazing. I thought, I, I'm not going to be a math teacher. And so I just had that memory come back, that flash come back, where God grabbed me and said, I already showed up in your life and called you. And so I said, God, if this is what you need me to do, I will enter the ministry. And as you can see, here I am. God shows up in the strangest of ways, but he shows up. And each of us has a story, and I trust that when you gather as groups, you find opportunities to share moments at least along the way where God has shown up in your life, right, and, and, and shaped you um, and grabbed your attention. This thing doesn't like my finger today. What are you seeing? Huh. So my tablet has not moved forwards, tech guys, but the screen in the back has, so maybe you did that for me. So the next stage is deepening the relationship. Do not come any closer, God said to Moses. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Now, again, Moses was basically in the wilderness, in the desert, in the middle of nowhere. Um, he was wandering around in probably a very nondescript place, and God says, this place is holy ground. And that makes it really clear, again, right, that holy ground is where God is, right? Your holy ground may certainly happen in this space, but your holy ground can also happen when you're camping, when you're on a walk, when you're walking down the street, in your neighborhood, in a park, anywhere that you are, as mundane or as amazing as it may be, can be used by God to be his holy ground. And God calls him, recognizing that he's in his presence, recognizing that God has his attention because God is there. And he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, right? And notice what he's saying there. He's saying, these are the relationships of the past. These are the places, these are the people who, who I'm called, right? Moses was, I mean, Abraham was clearly called and sent. He was sent to the promised land, the original calling to make that move. And so God is saying, I had a relationship with these people. That's why he mentions their name. And as he mentions their name, and says, I had a relationship with your forefathers, and I want to call you into that relationship as well so we can connect and deepen that relationship. And as God reveals himself more deeply to Moses, as Moses experiences that he's actually in the presence of God, he hides his face. In other words, he recognizes suddenly that he's in the presence of God because he doesn't want to look at God. He's afraid to look at God. And so I want to invite you, um, again, as we go through this series, as you participate in this book and the various um, devotionals and so on that are in there, to allow things like the breath prayer that Ruthann already taught us to be a time where you simply recognize, I'm in the presence of God. I need to breathe in his spirit and allow him to, um, to connect with me 
And I need to breathe out all the things that are inside of me that I need to let go of so that God can use me. See, the, the idea of this series that we are sent to connect with people around us in all kinds of different ways, that's not that complicated. You've heard that before. I've said that many times before already. But what's really complicated, what really requires us to step into this, is the part where we learn or learn again to take the time to sit in the presence of God and to deepen that relationship so that it's not just, well, our church is doing ascending things, so I'm being sent. It's not just, well, people are in small groups, so I'm in a small group. It's we're doing those practical things because we recognize that often those are the places where God deepens our relationship with him, and we need to open ourselves um, to that connection. Next slide, please. The next thing is um, knowing God's passion. There it is. Knowing God's passion. So once we start relating to God, once we start meditating on his word, once we start praying to him and, and having that connection with his people, we're going to start knowing the things that God is passionate about. And look what he's passionate about. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God meets people in their suffering. That's why we join forces with GBF, Grimsby Benevolent Fund, for example, because that is a place where we can meet. That's why we join with the gleaners to make sure food goes to people who are not as able to um, find enough food. We do these things because we recognize as we hang around with God that his greatest compassion is for people who've, who've been put on the outside, who've been outcasts, who've been hurt, who've been marginalized, who've been trodden upon. And in this case, it's the Israelites, the people he's called. But he told them, I called you out of slavery. Now you make sure you pay attention to anybody who's enslaved in any way, shape, or form. And, and Jesus turns that, and the New Testament turns that recognition of, of suffering and slavery into a recognition that there's all kinds of people who are enslaved to sin and brokenness in their lives. And so as you do the exercise this week and you start to think, what is my community? What is my neighborhood? What is my mission? recognize that as healthy as those people may seem on the outside, everybody in this world has an area of suffering and brokenness that needs to be dealt with and healed, right? We all need to be reconciled either in relationships with each other, right, or in relationships with a healthy way of being in this world. And so we're paying attention. What is God's passion? What does God feel about the people who live around you or work around you or go to school around you? How does God look at them? And can that inform and shape my heart and my passion for them? Next slide, please. So then God says this, and he doesn't do it in question form. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God often doesn't use question form. We do. We'll say, would you be involved in kids' ministry? Are you, would you consider standing for the role of elder or deacon? But God says, now go. I'm sending you. And so I want to suggest to you that if you are hearing this message today, God is indeed sending you. You might need to discern and spend some time breathing prayer and so on, trying to find out where exactly is he sending you. But make no mistake about it, God is sending you. The last thing Jesus said to his disciples was go. Not, hey, do you think you want to go? It was go, 
make disciples of every nation, baptize them and teach them, right? And so God is a sending God. That's what he does with his people. He invites them into community so that he can send them out to make a difference in this world. And so when God sends us, it comes in the form of, this is what you were made for. This is a command on the level of, this is what you are fit to do in this world. God has prepared in advance good works for us to do. Next slide, please. But Moses, he's a great example for us in this because most of us have a lot of really good questions and excuses. Moses says to God, that's the best one, by the way. If you ever need a good excuse, use this one. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? The irony, of course, is if you know the story, Moses is the perfect person for this job because he actually grew up in Pharaoh's household. He was brought up basically, if you believe the Disney version, to be the prince of Egypt. He was brought up with the exact training that would give him the language and the understanding of the politics and all those things to go to Pharaoh. But all he's feeling, and maybe you felt this before too, is who am I to do this, right? Most of us are pretty good at coming up with a reason why we are not yet qualified to do some sort of task, right? I don't have enough training. That's one of our favorite ones, right? Things aren't all settled in my life yet. Things aren't running as smoothly as they should be, right? But God sends us without question, and he wants to deal with our excuses as well. Next slide, please, and we'll see that. So I call this a classic God answer. Because remember, the question is, who am I that I should be able to do this? And you're expecting God then to say, Moses, you're all qualified the way I explained how he's qualified. But God just says this, I will be with you. I will be with you. So what qualifies every single one of us to be on mission for God in this world is quite simply that God is with us. We are Pentecost people. We've received the Holy Spirit. We've received that anointing. And so God has already qualified us in spite of what questions and abilities and disabilities and inabilities that we have. God has qualified us by saying, I am with you. I give you my spirit. I'll be with you to the end of the age. This is the repeated line of God is saying, I'm going to be with you. That will enable you and empower you. Luke, Luke 10 even includes, don't even worry about what you're going to say. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say, um, when it comes to that point. And then this, I love this too. I'll be with you, says God, and this will be the sign to you that it's I who have sent you, check this out, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, so when the job is done, you will worship God on this mountain. Well, that's comforting. So I know that I was called to be the pastor of Mountain View because when I retire, it will be exactly where it was supposed to be. Well, how does that help me? You won't know until you step out in faith and the job is done that you were actually called to do it. It's the same thing as God says about prophecy. He says, you know a prophet speaking the truth when what he says comes true. Where you're going, yeah, but I'm listening to him right now. How do I know if he's true right now? You'll know if it comes true later. Moses will know that he was sent when God brings him to that end. In other words, every single one of us, when we're called by God, when he says, go, now I'm sending you, you are taking a step of faith, right? And so if that feels somewhat uncomfortable and somewhat open-ended and somewhat unclear, that's probably exactly the way it's meant to be because God wants you to trust him, not to know exactly what's going on. So this coming Wednesday, uh, we are going to do a uh, prayer for healing service or gathering 
Um, and I can guess I can simply say, it's clear in my mind that God is sending you to that place. He calls us as a community to gather. I'm guessing that for a lot of us, there will be hesitancies and wonderings and possible excuses of why we don't think we should be there. But I encourage you, even though you don't know exactly how it's going to go, and I have tried to explain to a few people exactly how it's going to go, but one thing that I already know for sure is that we want the Holy Spirit to guide it, which means that I don't even know how it's going to go because I'm going to be leading it by the Holy Spirit. Right? And those kinds of things, those open-ended kinds of things, I think in this safe environment, and trust me, it'll be a safe environment, we need to practice that because our life with God isn't, I know I can go to that person and I can have that conversation because I already know how it's going to conclude. God will tell you, you'll know that that's the conversation you're supposed to have when on the other side of it, that person responds to you and says, thank you for being in this conversation. That doesn't help you going in, but it's God's way of saying, trust me, faith is about believing in things that we haven't yet seen. It's about stepping out um, into that unknown place. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. And now we know that Moses was called. We know that this makes sense because indeed this is the very mountain where they received the Ten Commandments and worshiped God. Next slide, please. Last slide. So the question for you is, where is God sending you? And you probably have already figured out, I can't tell you exactly where God is sending you. I can give you some hints, and if you want to ask me some direct questions and pray with me, I'd be glad to do that and help you. But this is the kind of thing you need to lean into in your small group conversations. Clearly, God is the sending God, but where exactly is he sending me, and how am I qualified? Well, the answer is, he is who he is. He's God, and he is sending you. And you need to find that place where he nudges you, where he shows up in your life, where he prompts you to step out in faith and take that challenge. I've had a few wonderful conversations with people where they went through, well, I sort of had a sense that God was asking me to have that conversation, but, but I didn't because I wasn't sure, and that's okay. But we recognize that the reason we're having that conversation is because something in our mind still told us, I think I was supposed to have that conversation but I didn't know, and we're trying to discern, right? And I want to encourage you that God is going to use your trust, your stepping out in faith. He's going to overcome your excuses with this simple message. He is with you. He's with you when it works. He's with you when it doesn't work, right? God being with you is actually the entire calling of Moses, Moses had all those excuses, he had all those questions, he had all those doubts. He actually said, send my brother Aaron, he speaks more clearly than me, and then in my opinion, he never stopped talking himself after that. So it was about dealing with all those fears, but recognizing the only answer God could really give you is, I'm sending you, go now I'm sending you, and I am with you. So let's lean into that question as a community in the next week or so. Let's lean into, what does it mean? And where, is it, where does it mean God is sending us? Let us pray. Lord Jesus, help us to breathe in your spirit. Breathe on me, breath of God. And help us to voice, to breathe out our doubts, our questions, our wonderings. And help us to breathe in, Lord Jesus, your specific call 
on our lives. Help us to sense those places that are holy places, those moments that are holy moments, those people who are holy people stepping into our lives. Help us to breathe that in, Lord. And help us to breathe out our fears, our frustrations, our confusion, our doubts, our brokenness. Lord Jesus, help us to breathe in your healing, to breathe in your presence again and again and again. Help us to breathe in your truth that you are ascending God and that you've put us on mission. Lord Jesus, you have put a call on each of our lives to help us to respond by stepping out in faith. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Yeah, there's another slide. Could you put my slides back? Thank you. I didn't even give you the hint that you were supposed to tell me that. I need that picture up. That's my last slide in my uh, message. It's no wonder I tell people to tell me things along the way, right? There it is. So this is a picture of the board that's in the, in the uh, entranceway. And um, these are a whole bunch of ministries that we're already involved in. So let's be clear that as we enter into missional practices, it's not that we don't have any missional practices, it's that we're focusing on and building our capacity in missional practices. And so some of you volunteer at McNally House or at GBF or at the Gleaners or at the Mission Thrift Store and the other places. If you do that, there are pins available there. Parental supervision is required. Um, put a pin by one of those places where you serve or in the place where you serve so that we can see that we have all kinds of people already on mission through these kinds of things. What you may also do, and this is me ad-libbing, I didn't get permission for this, is you see there's Beamsville, there's Grimsby, there's Smithville. That covers a lot of our home places. If you aren't working at one of those old other places, but you are already starting your missional journey in your community, you're getting to know your neighbors and having conversations, feel free to take a pin and put it close as you can to where you live um, on the map, all right? What we just want to recognize, we want to participate in, we want to say, these are, this is our mission. We're going to name it, we're going to enter into it, we're going to ask God's blessing upon it, um, and that map and your participation in it. If you're not here, if you are elsewhere uh, watching this, you may um, email the church or call one of the staff members or somebody who you know is regularly here and ask them to put a pin in on your behalf. We want everybody to be represented in their mission place on that map. That's what I was supposed to say, right? Okay.